Awards Watch and the Jazz Head East on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. Awards. I'm not so sure being named an all-star is necessarily an award, but it's in the same neighborhood. They're cousins. It's similar. And earlier this week, maybe it was last week, I talk on so many things. I'm talking about this team to so many people that really everything blends to the point that I don't know if I'm having this conversation on the podcast, whether it's on the TikTok lives that we do before games or in a meeting talking about the team. I don't know where it is, but that's the issue when you work for an NBA team. But All-Star, I got asked in a mailbag by Ryan Kisteka, the digital writer for the team. He had this mailbag, and one of the questions that you guys asked, is there an All-Star in the Jazz? I gave a answer-non-answer. I was Bill Belichick at the podium. Darvin Ham being asked about why his team isn't good. I evaded that stuff exceptionally. Heisman pose. Stiff arm right to the face. Because I usually don't enjoy answering those questions. Is there an all-star? Ten games in. I don't know if there's an all-star on the team yet. I don't know in the context of the entire league if the Jazz have a top 15 player in a conference just yet. Because plenty of players can have good weeks. It's what the NBA Player of the Week award is for. TJ Warren in the bubble. Remember when he was an all-NBA player? A lot of those all-bubble guys aren't necessarily going to do it over an entire NBA season. So when I get asked, is there an all-star in the Jazz 10 games in? My answer is, I hope Mike Conley goes back to the three-point contest because he got stiffed last time. So I gave an answer, non-answer. And I felt bad about it, so my response is going to be on the pod where I have more than just three sentences to answer. And the way I want to do it is through awards. Awards can't be handed out 13 games in the season. The key MVP ladder really isn't the thing right now. Give me 20 games, maybe I could come up with something for you. Because that's how I divide the season. Quarters. 20 game pieces. Something sustainable. An actual length of time where I can tell what a team's doing. But awards on this team? That I can do. In the context of the first 13 games where the Jazz win 10, I can give you a most improved player, six-man, MVP. Please, let's do it. So that's exactly what I'm going to do on today's pod. I felt a little guilty from that mailbag answer. So let's start with the hardest one, Coach of the Year. A lot of guys up for this award, but I had to go with Will Hardy. He has a powerful purse lip. See it on the broadcast. This guy is pursing. This guy is evil-eyeing officials, evil-eyeing his own team, and all done in a crew neck sweater. Very powerful. But really, coach of the year for Will Hardy because of what he's gotten out of this team. It's the first squad to get to 10 wins this year. Milwaukee did it later in the night on Wednesday. 
against Oklahoma City where they had to go to overtime, and they did it through 11 games, which is super impressive. But 10 wins for Utah in this first stretch is outrageous. Nobody expected it. I didn't expect it. There were prognosticators heading into this year thinking that the first 10 wins of the season might not come till December. Again, and it bears repeating, Utah is on pace to pass their Vegas over-under win total before the new year. And I couldn't have imagined that before this season started. And it's a credit to Will Hardy. This team plays hard. It appears Danny Ainge struck again when it came to a coaching hire. The 34-year-old is in control of this team. He's gotten them to buy in. That convo with Mo on Monday, where we're talking about what it takes to get somebody to buy into a program and believe in a head coach, and to see it bear out with the style of play, how hard they play, how much effort they give, how stylistically it's different from last season, how it looks fun stylistically. It is a fun watch. I am impressed by Will Hardy. And the way that he describes it, communication in that job is so big, and it's what his mentor, Greg Popovich, does so well. One of his tenets is get over yourself as a player. Get over yourself so you can help the team. And as a communicator, in those post games where he's talking to the media, he's describing what happened, his communication describing the play is helpful to the general fan. It's helpful to me. He calls them perfectly imperfect, chaotic, and that's the way they want to play. They want to play chaotic. Because on talent alone, this team's not going to win games. But in chaos theory, maybe you can get those wins. And when you have teams play the way you want to and you're dictating the terms, I like the Jazz's chances. He is one of the brightest young minds in the game right now, and the Jazz are lucky to have him. He wins Coach of the Year. MVP. Give you the number one option. Lowry Markinen, 29-9-3 on career-best effective field goal percentage, on career-best efficiency. 59% effective field goal percentage. Lowry's one of the guys that's benefited the most from Will Hardy. Will talked about watching every single basket of Eurobasket, seeing how Finland was using Markinen, and he translated that to this year. It kept him in shape. It put him into rhythm. And 13 games through, he has shown that he can be a number one option. That was my question heading into the year with Thurl on the first preseason pod. Can Lowry Markinen be a number one option? Is it possible for this player who had high expectations in Chicago became a 3 and D type in Cleveland? I don't know if you can be a 3 and D guy as a 7-footer, but that's the role that he served. He was playing the 3 with the Cavs. And did I think that was his best position? No. But shows you how much I know about basketball because that's one of the positions he's played this year. And he's not only shown he can play that position, he can play the other two. He could be a four, he could be a five, he can initiate. He's one of the many players on the team that can grab the rebound and go. 
His shooting over the last five has been so impressive. Wednesday down the stretch when the Jazz needed the bucket because they couldn't stop Atlanta at the other end, Lowry Markkinen from deep. Last five games, he's been shooting 39% from three, way better than he started because he was shooting 27% for seven games. He's not the creator, but he can be a creator on this team. The most impressive part is the variety with which he's doing it. He doesn't need a spot on the floor where you can tell that's the Lowry zone. When Kirk Goldsberry does his heat maps of spots on the floor where this score dominates, there's not one spot that Lowry excels at or has a deadly zone. There's not one spot where he's going to dominate. But in a variety of spots, when he's cutting, going off ball, being active, Lowry can get his points. And Lowry can keep defenders on their heels because of the variety of moves that he's got. So MVP, pretty simple. Defensive player of the year. Years pass for the Jazz. I think we all know who wins this award. But this year's different. And with it comes a new contender. And the defensive player of the year on this version of the Jazz is Jared Vanderbilt. Vando, the guy we talked about with Jim Peterson. He's been a ball of energy every single time that he's out there on the floor. He guards the best opposing player that's a wing or wing type. He goes from LeBron to Luka to Cat to Zion. He'll guard them all. And he's relied upon to be the back line protector, the rim protection. He played a lot of nominal center with Minnesota last season. That was because Carl Anthony Towns couldn't be a rim protector. So it had to be Vanderbilt. And on this team, his energy, his grit, his rebounding has been crucial for the Jazz securing victories. They've been a lot of up and down, score, bucket, 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 down the stretch games. Yes, they have. But when they need a stop, when they need a rebound, it's been Vanderbilt who's been able to get it for them. Jazz give up a lot of shots at the rim. And when they're playing good defense, it's Vanderbilt who's out there affecting shots. He fouls too much. He's had five games with five-plus fouls this year. But when he's playing with such impact and tenacity, it's something you live with. He's playing so well. And his activity is crucial to setting the tone for the Jazz and the way that they play hard. He's a deep boy. Most improved player. Now, in NBA context, I have no idea what this award means. It's the most vague. It usually goes to somebody who is injured the year before and all of a sudden comes back and he's a nice story and you give it to them. But most improved in my context, in the jazz context, in the way I see things, is the unexpected award. If I gave it to you on August 1st, would you believe it? Or would you say, nice try, stop playing 2K? And for that, I'd say most improved player this season for the Jazz is Jordan Clarkson. I go back to the talk with Mo. I say, Jordan Clarkson, it's passing time. Could you have guessed that would have been JC when he was checking up shots for the Philippines? 
when he is the entire center of a national team program, and he's going to come back to Utah, and he's going to sit in a role and excel at it. No. No, I would not have seen that. But he's done that. He talked about the role that he used to have was Gunner. That's it. Wasn't much expected out of him other than scoring. And now that he's being relied upon to play make, he's showing he can. And it's through that variety of having his offensive game. Everybody has to respect the threat of him shooting, that his feints, they make you think. There's no way this guy's going to pass. But then he does. And he gets a pass off. And he gets a good shot for his teammate. There was a pass in the fourth where Clarkson lobs it over an outstretched hand of Justin Holiday, and it lands perfectly for Malik Beasley to catch and shoot. Something that that guy will do any day of the week. Set records for Minnesota, and he may set records here because Malik Beasley simplifies the game so easily for him that his decisions are cat-like quick. But Clarkson found him over an outstretched arm, into his pocket, shoots it, go the other way, three points in the back. His decision-making this year is the best of his career. Assisted turnover ratio, best. Most assists of his career, five a game. Here's something that I didn't expect. He has the best net on-off numbers for the starters, Jordan Clarkson. And for such a high-variance player who you had no idea if he was going to make all of his shots or miss all of his shots last season, for him to have the best net on-off through 13, it's wild. And he's not just a skip-pass guy. When he's penetrating on a pick-and-roll, he can make that lob. Did it to Walker Kessler a bunch in the Hawks game, where Walker breaks out. His interior passing is almost as impressive as those skip passes that he's doing. I didn't know he had the vision that he does. But it's been wildly impressive, and he wins most improved. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages... They also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Rookie of the year. And it's quite the time to talk about this rookie because he had his homecoming. Walker Kessler. I'm sure he fielded thousands of ticket requests. On the broadcast, they said an entire school came. His family. He has a lineage of going to Georgia. His dad went there. His uncle went there. I think his brother also went there. Georgia's in their bones. Go dogs. But Walker Kessler forged his own path. Started out at UNC under Roy Williams, transferred out to go to Auburn, and now finds himself on his third NBA team, 
a reclamation project of sorts. And he's posting the best PER of rookies this season. He had three blocks on Wednesday. He's doing exactly what he was billed to do. I talked to Bruce Pearl, and I asked him, what are those NBA skills that he's going to have at this level? And it's impacting games through rim protection. They needed him Wednesday in the third quarter. Game was starting to slip away. They, the Hawks had come all the way back and built a 10-point lead. And Walker Kessler comes into the game and runs the floor. He's catching lobs on one end, blocking shots on the other. And I've been impressed by his outlook of his game. He's very reflective in watching film, understanding tendencies of players in the league. That's difficult when you're a rookie because you don't have play game experience against many of these players. The only guy that he knows really are the SEC guys. He's playing Ty Ty Washington. Okay, maybe he has a little bit of a book on him. But he's not playing that guy every single day. Jabari Smith, if he's playing there, yeah, he has a book on that guy. Because he watched him in practice at Auburn. But Chris Paul, how's he going to handle that? John Morant, how's he handle him at the rim? DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, these high-level, high-caliber players are seeing a rookie that's going out there and impacting games. And Wednesday was his time. He did it on that play where he ran the floor, where he got a block on one end and received a pass and dunked it down the other. He's going to be a 10-year-plus veteran in the league because of how he plays the game. It's impressive the film study he does because he talks about how he's trying to figure out screen angles that go best with Mike Conley or Colin Sexton, the guys that he's playing out there with. He's trying to get better at his screening. Those little things that he's already trying to get better at show he has such a high ceiling as a player. He's a ball player. Because right now he's, st- he's just hooping. He's just going out there and using his talent. And he is talented. But he's winning Rookie of the Year. If you said that Walker Kessler would be playing better than Jabari Smith the times that he's out there on the floor, wouldn't have believed you. Jabari's asked to do a lot in Houston, but his shooting hasn't caught up to where it was billed. But Walker Kessler is delivering on what Bruce Pearl said. Old Jesse Gemstone himself. Final word. Sixth man of the year. And this goes to Colin Sexton. His role's reduced from where it was in Cleveland, where he was when he was the 20-point-per-game scorer. But in the time that he gets out on the floor, he's facilitating, he's scoring, he's doing the things that he's good at. And what he's good at for this team is attacking the rim. Sunday night against the Clippers, he closed the fourth quarter over Jordan Clarkson when J.C. was on a 20-point game, and it was the right decision from Will Hardy. Lending back to the start of this convo, Coach of the Year. Colin Sexton closed that game, and in the fourth quarter, he scores nine points, goes the line five times. He puts pressure on the rim like no other Jazz player, and they needed to put pressure on the rim against the Clippers. His per-36 numbers are unreal, they're 22-5-3, and three, five rebounds, three assists. He's showing he can score off the bench and still get opportunities for Walker Kessler when he's playing out there with him. 
Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's managing that second unit brilliantly. And he's even shown when he's put into these parts of, hey, can you defend John Morant for a couple possessions? He can do it. Do you need him doing that the entire game? Absolutely not. But putting those little roles, those little instances where he can affect a game, Colin Sexton has excelled. There was a lot of concern from the analyst of whether Colin Sexton can impact winning. This is a big year for him to show that he can. And in this role as a six-man, he is helping this team along to get wins. Sunday, a perfect indicator. He helped win that game against the Clippers. And that's why he's my sixth man of the year. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It's called Round Ball Roundup. Are there any omissions that I made handing out the awards? I feel bad for not getting in Mike Conley because Mike's been phenomenal. But I think Mike's a victim of his entire career. This guy has been so consistent, so businesslike, so professional that he's okay not being the spotlight. I think back to when we had Titus on the show a while back. I'll get him back on since college basketball season's starting. But Bank's never been the best player on any team that he's on. In AEU, it was Greg Oden. At Ohio State, it was Greg Oden. In Memphis, it was Zach Randolph. He's never been the best player. And as annoying as it is to be best player never to make an all-star, which he accomplished a couple years back, as annoying as it is to be that type of guy, he gets plenty of accolades as the professional that he is. And I loved when he spoke to Tim McMahon earlier this week. He said, the Jazz are trying to lose. They better get rid of him too because he's a winning player. And amazingly, he's averaging the highest assists of his entire career. He's showing that playoff run last season isn't who he is. He still has something left in the tank. And as a leader on the Jazz, he's a winning player. I guess I just did the Mike Conley segment. But I tried to fit him in on the awards line. And the one I was closest to giving him was most improved. But I think J.C. had to get a shout. Because J.C., coolest player on the team. He wins the award. For someone who alleges that they don't like awards talk, I went close to 30 minutes on Jazz Awards. I guess I do like it. And a Mike Conley add-on segment. Anyway, back Monday after the Jazz complete this road trip. Philly, Washington. What is going on with the Sixers? I might lead off talking about the changes that they have in store. I'll be back Monday. Get you set for those home games that the Jazz have with the Knicks and Suns. Kind of backloaded this month with home games. Going to see a lot of this team in person. Get the vibe on this squad. Well, that does it for today. Until next time, bye for now. It's Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. (laughs) 